0: all right thanks man thanks for coming on
1: yeah man thanks for having me
0: yeah we got marcus Pittman here today he's the ceo of lure tv l-o-o-r dot tv so we're gonna dig in today a little bit i don't know what we're gonna talk about but i'm sure it's entrepreneurship and probably where we get our hair done lots of stuff like that to make sure that everybody knows what resources <laughs> they need uh I, so i
1: just get my hair done at a local uh the local barbershop they're not very good but it's all we have up here in idaho so
0: (laughs) yeah that's the first thing i was getting ready to dig into is uh you're in idaho uh tell us what the winters are
1: like in idaho the winters aren't typically that bad but right now i think it's like in the negative so uh it's you know we're having a winter storm the winter the the winter uh is typically it just snows and then the snow just stays on the ground, but it doesn't snow constantly. Uh, it just it just never goes away. <laughs>
0: yeah, the temperature never gets <laughs> warm enough you, to make it go away.
1: It never gets warm enough to make it go away, uh, but thankfully it's dry, so it's not. We don't have a lot, and then, uh, but right now, uh, it is very cold outside, and there's a good amount of snow, maybe about six inches.
0: Yeah. Mm. Nice. Sure. So you're in Idaho now. Where did you grow up? Where? Let's go back a little bit. Let's up... talk about uh, talk about childhood and all that stuff coming up. Where'd you Where'd you come from?
1: <laughs> yeah, I grew up in Newport News, Virginia. Uh, so Newport News, Virginia was uh, uh is is near Virginia Beach area of the, the east coast of Virginia. Grew up there. Went to government schools um, all my life, uh, and then. Uh, Briefly went to Liberty University when I graduated high school, and I was majoring in youth ministry. Uh, got into video production at that time, um, and then I realized that I'm if I'm going to be a youth pastor, uh, I'm going to have to be a, a, a youth pastor of a very very large church in order to be able to pay off my student loan debt. <laughs> uh, for sure. for <laughs> and, sure, and I didn't want to do that. Uh, so, so, uh, I was like, the chances of that are pretty slim. So I, I dropped out, got into video production and really got into basically Christian media and stuff like that. Through. What drew
0: you to video? Were you just good at that already? Did you have to learn that? How how did the video production no, thing come?
1: Yeah. While I was majoring in youth ministry, uh, I, I would work at a summer camp during the summers. And the second summer I was at this camp, the camp director said, "Hey, you know how to operate a video camera? We'd like you to film the kids all summer, and uh, and make a, a a montage of every kid's week. Uh, I, well, not every kid. I'm not making not make a montage of every yeah. kid, uh, but make a montage of every week and sell a DVD to the parents." and uh so that's that's what we what i did and i made videos every single day for the course of a whole summer and it's like i really i didn't know what i was doing and those videos are awful now but i went and i took that those videos i made and i there was a job for a production assistant at a local government school uh tv station Propag i call it a government school propaganda station but fair enough (laughs) It was just—it was just all to promote everything uh, about the government school system and uh, but uh, so I, I got—I I, went—I put my reel in there and the managers of the station were actually Christian and they saw what I did and they said, "Look, your your stuff is not that good, but there's some creativity there. We think you just <laughs> need, you know, we we you just need to learn the basics." So they brought me on as an internship. Uh, and then, so I had a paid, paid internship with them. And then, uh, I think two weeks after I got the paid internship, the person that they promoted to the job I was applying for originally just, uh, took her new title and got a better job and left. Yeah. And so that kind of forced me into her role automatically. And so I did that for a year and, you know, did that, did wedding videos and then eventually got hired, uh, uh, to work for uh todd Friel and wretched radio um wretched tv uh, in atlanta I moved to atlanta uh met a guy named david shannon who goes by uh the chocolate knox uh and uh and uh he me and him became really good friends started making youtube videos in the in the um driveway um and you know just started making content yeah and then... Uh, is, that yeah, early, is that early it, what year do you think
0: that is? And when did you start making um, YouTube videos?
1: Probably, I want to say, like, maybe 2012, 13. Yeah. So, like, you know, YouTube's been around for a while, but it's still, like, not... Like, people aren't really watching it, especially Christians. Yeah. So, yeah, like, yeah. we got hardly no views on our content, but we got people who did see it started to hire us for work. And so uh we before we know it we were asked to do a music video for kirk cameron's monumental movie we did that um and then from there uh i went off to start uh Apologia studios in phoenix with pastor jeff durbin uh some of you may have seen that got that up to several hundred thousand youtube subscribers and then got offered a job to basically lead adver- advertising for the agency that did all of pureflix's uh advertising all their digital advertising, so uh they you know so this so did that um and yeah, just hated it. I was <laughs> just completely just completely shocked by how much money they would spend advertising the worst possible movies you could imagine um with like no care or thought as to whether the movie was good uh and it was just about how cheap can we get a movie for and <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, uh, yeah, it was just, it was just, uh, a nightmare. Uh, I would have to edit. I remember having to edit guns, uh, out of movie trailers. Cause it, it would offend people if they saw a gun in a movie oh, trailer. Yeah. Nice. And it was just, so I did that for about a year and it was just like, man, like this is just a nightmare. And, uh, went back, uh, I did made some documentary movies along the way. One was called, Babies Are Murdered Here. The other was called Babies Are Still Murdered Here, a sequel to it. Um, did those documentaries. Um, and then I got, then the Babies Are Still Murdered Here documentary I did got deleted off of Amazon Prime. Um, and uh, I f- I thought, man, Christians have a real problem when it comes to distribution of Christian content. Yeah, because if we can't put the, it on. Yeah, out to the world it, for
0: sure. Yeah, right. Maybe yeah, if you can it's keep it inside that. If you can keep it inside the Christian country club circle, then it's probably okay. But if it goes out and it's too edgy, you're right.
1: Right. That's right. Yeah. So like if it's, if it's too masculine for Christian entertainment, because all of Christian entertainment is for women, 35 year old moms who shop at Lifeway Christian bookstores, that's the target audience. Uh, and and, so (laughs) they don't (laughs) exist anymore. There's spirit of Halloween stores now. Right. (laughs) right. So, (laughs) so, uh, so, uh, so those, those. Uh, so if you if you do something too masculine, it can't go in the Christian community, and if you do something too Christian, it can't go in the secular community. So there's massive middle. We actually call that middle, uh, cigar and whiskey evangelicals. That's what we call them in lore. Um, yeah. And it's basically, it's it's forty three million men in the United States who tie through their local church, but also enjoy a whiskey or a cigar every now and then uh, within a year, over the course of a year. And so that's the market we built lore for to really just go after men um, who, you know, the same men that are listening to Joe Rogan or Jordan Peterson and might be listening to Ben Shapiro or you know, all that political talk radio that has attracted all these men who are looking to you know, be men and fight against evil and stuff like that and now we're trying to provide them entertainment because yeah. it's it's not just about having a knowledge of what's true. Uh, it's about having dreams and aspirations as to what could be. That's what men are supposed to do. They're supposed to dream and have vision. And if we don't have entertainment for men, then those men don't have dreams and visions. And like you, if your son's don't have dreams and visions and they're not going to grow up and they're not going to inherit your business. Well, they're not right. And so, uh, you know, if they're being fed liberalism through Disney or socialism through Netflix, whatever, um, they're not going to dream and be entrepreneurs. They're not going to grow up, uh, to do amazing, to build amazing things. Yeah. Um, and that's what we want to do is we want to create a platform for young men where they can, uh, watch, stories of men defeating dragons and conquering the world and feel like I can do that too. Awesome. Um, and, 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 uh, you know, you know, it's all about, you know, what they say, the Bible is all about killing the dragon and getting the girl. Right. So that's, Definitely. you know, kill, kill Satan and, and acquire the church. Yeah. Um. So, that's right. so that's, that's the message of the Bible. And so all of our stories in Netflix and Disney and Amazon and, liberal Hollywood, they're removing the masculine figure who's killing dragons and rescuing the woman. You know, like even if you watched, you know, like Super Mario Brothers, which is literally kill the dragon, and get the girl, the original Super Mario Brothers. If you watch the if you watch the movie, Princess is completely uh fine and independent and she's never in danger the whole time with Bowser. And it's all about Mario coming up to uh princess's level, <laughs> right, yeah, you know she there's even a time where she 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 just basically implies that she's pretended that she's in danger with Bowser, but the whole time she's never really been. It's so weird, it's just like no, that's not that's not the principle of Mario, like Mario rescues princess, <laughs> yeah, I heard you say something but, uh,
0: recently that um that for Christian guys, or maybe, it, I don't know if you even said guys, but for like conservatives, um, their entertainment somehow is politics. You said Jason Farley told you that, like it kind of woke you up to that, like Tucker Carlson is entertainment for uh, conservatives. Yeah, It's it, it like a massive void that exists.
1: Yeah. So um, we went to the Turning Point conference And we were there when Tucker Carlson and Donald Trump came out. And it was like, man, it was like a rock star. just, like, came into the room, you know? All the music was blaring. It felt like something you'd see, you know, on on WWE Raw, Monday Night Raw. (laughs) 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 You know, they come out, the music's blaring, and then everybody's cheering, and then they, you know, talk, you know, they they give... (laughs) They give their wrestling speech on how they're going to destroy, you know, the guy in the ring with them, which would be, you know, right, Biden or whatever. Right. So but uh, but 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 that is like that's become our entertainment. Politics is conservative entertainment. And and I think it's good that we like politics and there's a lot of. of a market for it because like, it's, it's good that our people are much more well-informed than the left. Uh, But the truth is, you know, I think, you know, Ben Shapiro says, you know, facts don't care about your feelings, but the truth, but really the truth is feelings don't care about your facts. Um, If, 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 if if you uh, the left fights with stories and art to make you feel a certain way, And when you feel a certain way, it doesn't matter how many facts are presented. It doesn't matter how many hours of talk radio. The left has better stories, and that's what you relate to. And that's how the left fights, too. We talk about abortion. um, You know, conservatives will say, well, you know, science proves that it's a life, you know, at conception and whatever, whatever. And then the left, but the left comes and says, yeah, but like if that woman was raped, she has to look into the eyes of, her child and see the man who raped her all her life. Right. So they, they fight back with stories. Whereas we give the facts and the right, stories yeah. always win. And stories always um, win. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how, that's how God gave us stories too. Right. God, God gave us laws through narrative stories in the Bible. Right. Yeah. So we go back, we see, you know, the 10 commandments and we see them wandering around um, in the desert for 40 years, but through that whole process is how we get laws and uh, how to you know, right. So it's always laws after stories. So it's story first in the Bible. Then we get our laws, right? Uh, when when Jesus is telling you uh, to do something or not to do something, it's it's in the in the guise of a parable of a story, right? Yeah. So so that's how we gain morality through scripture. Um, and and conservatives are just really really bad at this. They really don't get it. I don't know what that is. Like maybe it's just we've just gone so cerebral for so long that we've just forgotten. But but uh, or or I think a lot of it is our stories are just uh, not really focused on being a story, but teaching some sort of moral lesson that basically comes off as more fact based than it is a story, a good story. Well, what, and, do you, um, what do you think so about the
0: ideal that uh, I, because I'm thinking like you're saying you're editing guns out of stuff and all the other stuff. Do you think that um, that the stories get edited from a conservative standpoint because they're embarrassing or they're like not holy or do you think that's, there's a possibility that the reason that the art of the story is gone is because some people don't want the story to be told? Uh
1: i think I think we think that I think there's a small percentage of of women in in the church who are very, very vocal about anything that's violent or uh, a little uh, dark in our stories. and so that prevents that small little group of people who, you know, Think that a Christian movie shouldn't have a gun in it, or a Christian movie, uh, you know, can't talk about, you know, pornography or something like that. Like there can't be evil um, referenced in a Christian movie. That failed idea, I think, is very vocal among a small group of of, of people in the church, um, and I think they've been able. To successfully drown out the ability for any other sort of art and entertainment to exist, and we know uh, that that is not true. The the scriptures are full of dark stories of evil of sin. Um, You know, you can't have the resurrection of Jesus without the bloody crucifixion, right? And so, like, in order to tell a good story, you have to present that evil. Um, And you have to, and you can do so in a way that doesn't sin. Um, You know, showing a gun in a movie isn't sinning, (laughs) right? Right. Uh, Showing somebody gets shot or fake violence, I don't believe is sin. It's fake. It's, it's, it doesn't, it's not real. Um, And, and so, um, you know, and, and so, so I think like there's a whole, this whole thing about what a Christian movie is. That just was really given to us by really fundamental uh legalistic sort of people who basically determined that what what a Christian movie should be uh, but the truth is going back to the talk radio thing and talk radio being entertainment um, we're, we're, that's where our focus is that's where we put all of our incentives but 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 children are not buying lunch boxes, lunch boxes, and action figures with Tucker Carlson on it. (laughs) Right. Yeah, 100%. Like, they're not going going to the toy section at Walmart and and buying, you know, Sean Hannity (laughs) action figures, and Tucker Carlson action figures, and Donald Trump action figures. Like, it's just not happening.
0: They got Ninja Turtles and He-Man. Even now, even that's today. right, and right. that's
1: owned by the left, and those stories are owned by the left. That's right, right, and so, yeah. so then the left comes in and they introduce a gay ninja turtle or something. I don't think they've done that yet, but uh, certainly will probably be part of the coming future. Uh, but you know, they introduce something like that, and you know, you you have to tell your kids, oh, you can't watch that anymore. Then they get mad, right? Because
0: it was <laughs> they loved it, right? It's 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 great entertainment yeah. for them.
1: Yeah. And, and now, now, you know, so now they're trying to figure out, well, why can't I watch this anymore? Is mom just being mean to me? Like what you write. And so, you know, just, it. but that's how they left gets get you indoctrinated into what they believe.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and they do it through stories and art and they don't do it through talk radio. And so we have a real, in the conservative space, we have a real culture problem. Um, you know, I like it's just it's tr- it's a tremendous cultural problem. I can't tell you how many times I've pitched to um, investors, conservative investors, and their response to me is, well, how come you don't have any talk radio on your streaming platform?
0: <laughs> we already have that, bro. We don't need, the, we don't need more of
1: that. <laughs> We've we got so much of that. Yeah. Uh, you're right. Tucker Carlson just launched another talk radio platform and everyone cheers like "Oh, this is gonna be great you know tucker carlson network how amazing is this you know but another streaming service comes up and we go wasn't well, pureflix doing that yeah. isn't angel doing that yeah. you know and it's like don't you, you guys don't understand like we have such a void we're not going to beat hollywood with one christian movie a year that is a box office success Right, for sure. (laughs) Like you're not going to be in Hollywood at that level of output. You need constant output, and you need to create an economy that allows for young filmmakers to see that they have a viable career path in conservative entertainment. Um, uh, And and uh, that doesn't happen with just you know, Daily Wire doing Daily Wire stuff yeah. or angel doing angel stuff. You need the entire ecosystem from news journalists to incubators for young filmmakers to film Christian young film filmmaker festivals. Like all you need all of it. That's all Hollywood has all of it. Um and we don't. And so we have a long way to go. We're about probably about fifty years out yeah. from being able to rival Hollywood. And that's really a shame because they're doing really bad right now and we have nothing to come like we they 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 they, were, they stopped producing in covid they stopped producing for the strike for a year a year for covid they're probably about 5 years behind in terms of productions made because of that um like and, and so they're yeah, 5 but there's years nothing, behind yeah,
0: like nothing waiting to fill and the we, void it, yeah
1: and we didn't have the foresight to come in and go let's skip the unions and let employees make movies anyway Without the unions, like yeah. let's do all this sort of stuff, so that when COVID ended, there would have been hundreds of Christian movies and TV shows ready to just really just dominate Hollywood right now. We we would be in such a prime position, um, and and we didn't do that, and so, yeah. yeah so sure. but 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 now I think now I think we're starting to see it, and uh, uh, you know, Lore's doing really well and uh our streaming platform is doing really well just getting started and, yeah uh, let's go backwards really if you don't
0: mind it. so we talked uh-huh. about uh where you grew up and talked about going to liberty and how it kind of uh you got first of all what type of camcorder did you have when you're doing those videos Do you remember
1: oh i got it right here um, oh it's
0: with you awesome
1: let me, let me get let me get the title for the title of it for you it's uh Uh, it's a Panasonic, yeah. It's a Panasonic GS150.
0: Nice GS150 <laughs> from Panasonic.
1: Yeah, just this little little mini DV camera we got at uh we got at Best Buy.
0: Nice. <laughs> so let's go back. You're talking Still. about high school, going to Liberty, and uh, obviously, if you don't mind, let's go back to um, pre-Christian Marcus. Tell me about that. Like when when do you bump into Jesus?
1: Oh man, I, 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 I became a Christian when I was like four years old.
0: Yeah. Talk about that.
1: Um, I don't remember much, (laughs) but I remember sitting on my mom's lap and asking her about Jesus and she walked me through the sinner's prayer. And, uh, although I don't necessarily think the sinner's prayer saves you, uh, I think that it, it, that was the moment for me where I, I, you know, Uh, dedicated my life to Jesus, I guess you could say, but uh, I don't think there was a time really where I remember not following the Lord or believing in him. That's cool. I don't, I don't have a drastic testimony. (laughs) No, I wouldn't say it's drastic, (laughs) you know,
0: turn from, turn from evil and do all that stuff. But it's really interesting to me. And I ask everybody, uh, you know, go back and, and tell me about that because it's interesting to see when paths cross, what those all look like. And, um, and i guess you know for someone who's given their testimony and it's kind of cool and dramatic we talk about storytelling to you know be locked into addiction and a miracle happens and you meet who jesus is and you change your life and then you change other people's lives i mean it's a cool story but it's not everybody's story either and that's what i get that's the point that i get into i was um if you start talking about you're 4 years old and then what did you do growing up was your mom a big influence on like how to grow as a Christian, how to develop that relationship, how to read the Bible. I mean, you're not reading the Bible when you're four years old. So what did that look like when you're growing up? You spent a lot of time in church, You spent a lot of time at Sunday school. Yeah, like my, what happened?
1: My, my mom and dad were really active in the church. So we were there every Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and Wednesday night. And uh, we, my, my parents were part of the same church that her, my grandparents were part of. Um, it's been around for sixty or seventy years. Just a small Southern Baptist church in Newport News. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so that that was sort of uh, that was sort of uh, uh what kept us involved in church. And I don't, we didn't have a lot of home devotional time. Yeah. Looking back, uh, growing up, but uh, no, we we just were just very active in church and part of youth group. All being a kid and went to church Bible camp seven for seven years as a kid and uh you know so yeah we were just very active in all the all the church youth stuff that was just our life
0: yeah love it love it and then growing up and going through that um you know through the walk of becoming more mature as a christian and when do you when do you think that you um kind of i don't know it's not a it's not a real thing but i call some people baby christians meaning like you're just now you know, surrendering your life and understanding that. And then when you started feeling like convicted about taking out stuff from, uh, Chris, how did that come about? Like all entrepreneurs see a problem, which you clearly kind of outlined what the problem is and what, how Laura solves that. But, uh, when you started talking about how many times did you think about, I'm just going to do this. And this is something I talked to Marty about, you know, a lot of people talk, a lot of people plan, it's really hard sometimes to do, uh, and and move forward. So go to, uh, as much as you can share about when lure first comes to to become a real thing in your head, regardless of what his name was, and then what steps you would take so other people can hear how it went from, uh, a vision or an ideal and then how it came to fruition. Yeah, it was
1: was weird. I was just, we, we were visiting, uh, my wife's uh, sister and father-in-law and my uh, brother-in-law. Um, and uh, we were visiting them and uh, we, uh, I was just sitting outside. It was in Texas and the weather was nice. And so I was just sitting outside and I thought about Netflix and I thought about Kickstarter and I was like, how come no one's combined those two yet? Oh, <laughs> right. How come? the streaming platforms aren't fundraising mechanisms for movies and TV shows. Um, And then the movies could stream once they're they're funded and made um, on the platform. And so I just started thinking about that and I couldn't stop thinking about it. Talked to my friend, John Speed, about it. And he introduced me to a guy that basically helped, got really excited about it and his businessman and help set up the foundations of the company for us and get us started raising capital and how to do that. Um, he, we were able to get our CTO and our uh, COO Nathaniel Talbot as a result of like this early, like everything just fell into place, um, without any effort. And that's sort of how I think, uh, the, you know, you, you know, the Lord is behind it when yeah. he's, you know, pushing it. Um, yeah, it was just really, it was just really out of nowhere. It was like, I had this idea, talked to two people and then everything came together. We raised our first hundred K in investment. And then from there over the course of a year, a year, a year and a half, we raised our first 500 K we went all the way up to 500 K. Um, and since then we've raised $850,000. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so, so, uh, and we just, just been slow and faithful with that amount of money. Cause it's, it's not a lot of money for a single movie.
0: For sure. <laughs> exactly. For one movie, uh, for people yeah, that don't know, level talk, level. talk about that. How does a, so let's say that you are making a movie and there's a lot of moving parts that go with that, but let's just say that someone's making a movie and in the traditional format, if you're going to go to Netflix or if you're going to just, you know, try to go to the box office, how does that process work? for people who don't know how someone would make a movie and then be able to show up at the theater and watch it.
1: Yeah. Well, it's a really long process and it involves with Hollywood, involves hundreds and hundreds of people. Um, uh, But that's a bloated, outdated way of making movies. But eventually essentially you would start with a script and then you would go to the Hollywood executives and the Hollywood executives would, determine if they want to buy your script or not. Sometimes they'll buy the script uh, and they'll just put it in a drawer and you'll never ever see the movie made, but they just didn't want anybody else to get the script because it was a good script, but they don't have any interest for whatever reason. So you you have have that. Uh, But let's say your script is good, they want to buy it, they get a producer and director attached and um, from there pretty much every major detail of your movie is decided by woke hollywood executives who are looking to make sure that uh every detail is in line with their worldview um hollywood's worldview um uh, and so uh that's really what happens is the hollywood executives have the money and they buy the movies that they want to they want you to see uh and that that's how Hollywood works. Uh, and so we reversed that uh, just based on practical view of, you know, economics. Uh, we said, well, what if the monthly subscribers actually could spend their monthly subscription funding movies and TV shows uh, directly to the filmmakers and artists without Hollywood executives in the way? Like, that's not necessary. Um, uh, and that was what lore that's how lore came came about that's how we started it um and it was just basically a way it's like how can we free artists from hollywood how can they make whatever they want without hollywood in the way and we did this like three years ago now everybody knows like hollywood is corrupt and you know pushing all sorts of nonsense and we started this three years ago uh when it wasn't really widely as widely as accepted as as it is now Um, and so we were ahead on that and, you know, we, we've just, uh, basically found really talented filmmakers, artists, animators who work for Nickelodeon and Disney, um, you know, just, uh, tons of filmmakers and writers and comedy writers, you know, we, we have a show now, uh, called what the church, uh, on, on our new thing it's written by uh, one of the, writers that worked with Bob Odenkirk, uh who did Mr. Show and obviously Better Call Saul, right? Um so way back before Bob Odenkirk was really famous, he was working with him, writing with him, um, and and you know, became a Christian and got out of the scene and now he's back in. Um the this other show, uh, we got Florida Lee, uh, is just an animated short cartoons based off of uh this the, it's made by the same guy who made this you know, video game that was really popular. Uh, uh, It was a homemade video game that he made that got really popular. And so he's making the cartoon off of it. So it's just like, there's all these artists everywhere that for whatever reason, um, there's, there's all these artists everywhere that for whatever reason just haven't got an opportunity, and most of that we found isn't because of they're not talented. It's because that they don't fit in line with the worldview of Hollywood. Yeah, and you know they didn't they didn't want to go to Harvey Weinstein's parties. So there's the, there was really <laughs> no
0: mechanism then past that. I mean, or if you're that person, you don't you don't understand another mechanism, right? So let's say pre lore, there's no way to to get your stuff out unless someone buys it. Is what you're telling me,
1: right? Yeah, right, exactly. So we just wanted a way where the filmmaker could go directly to the the consumer and say, hey, here's the movie I want to make. And when you do that, it's amazing the amount of problems it solves. We we solve every major problem that Hollywood's having right now. One is the artists are completely free to make what they want. Um, Two, uh, the our monthly subscribers spend more money on average than they do with netflix and disney um because they're funding projects that they care about and they're donating to projects that they care about yeah um so our average monthly subscriber subscription price is higher than netflix and disney and netflix and disney are trying to make more money per subscriber right now but they can't so they're just going back to Advertising, and as you know, seventy-five percent of all advertising is paid for by big pharma. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so when when Netflix and Disney says, "Hey, we're we're bringing in advertising," that's that's who they're bringing in. Yeah. Um, and so, so tell me the process. So, uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to continue on that point because, like, if you notice, like last year there were two major series: one by Hulu and the other by Netflix about. And they're both on the same story, which was uh, uh, the pharmaceutical industry and the opioid crisis, and them being sued, uh, right? Um, and and uh, both Netflix and Hulu put that same story out last year, and then this year uh, they're announcing they're all going to advertising, right? So so they they basically put those stories out that make big pharma look bad. Yeah. And then big pharma says, Hey, things. how
0: about I give you some money and you don't do that ever again.
1: Yeah. 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 They're, they're, they're like, Hey, we'll, we'll stop putting money in. They want to get out of cable anyway. Um, but that was kind of like, I think, I think it was on purpose that both of those networks did the same story as a way to push big pharma money off of cable and into streaming. Yeah. Um, so, 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 yeah. So, you know, the, again, when it's advertising like that, uh, uh, the, the consumer has less and less control as to what the content actually is. And they're just hoping every now and then something comes that's a hit.
0: Yeah. How does it, uh, how does it work from uh, a funding standpoint? Cause for the people, people need to go check out uh lure.tv and look at the format and they need to subscribe and, and start funding stuff they want to see. But so when you go through and you're looking at funding, um, there there's a kind of a gamified, uh portion of it right because every uh monday or tuesday i get some loot and then i'm able to go out and spend my loot on whatever i want to see and then you can kind of track you know what percentage is funded uh on the episode or the movie or whatever it is so you kind of follow along and it's like the budget's out there right you see how many uh how much loot it takes to to make this project but explain to me behind the scenes if you're able to like uh someone's trying to make a movie for example and it's you know partially funded uh, when that gets funded, um, how fast do, can you turn around and make that movie? Like, if you're funded, you have yeah. resources, like, and and you're the producer and the the writer, and you have this team, and you're going to make this movie. How fast does that happen? one you know, if somebody's on the Lure platform, they get funded.
1: Um, how does that work? Yeah. Well, fifty uh, percent of the content that we have has already been made, so it's just sitting. Somewhere because no other streaming platform has picked it up or bought I gotcha, gotcha. it. gotcha uh, so so when a, when a project reaches hundred percent of the funding goal um in that instance if the project is already done uh then the subscribers are just paying the distribution fee, really, the license I got gotcha, you uh, whatever gotcha. that is um and so once that hits hundred percent, it streams immediately okay uh yeah. and and then and, and people can watch it. So, you know, it'll be 9, 9, 9 a.m. in the morning or 10 p.m. at night, and that hits over 100, and it's, avail- it's available for every subscriber, whether they funded the movie or not. Um, so so, uh, so that's it. The other ones, uh, they take a lot longer if, 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 if it's a, a conceptual idea, um, and in those instances, once the project is funded... Um, then, uh, once the project is funded, then, uh, the, the, uh, creator will send weekly updates uh, to be able to give you behind the scenes and stuff like that. You guys are, you guys are
0: open to both of those situations though, right? Someone who has a a conceptual, conceptual ideal, and then someone who has a completed product, you guys are going to allow both of those things to come on the format.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So we have both of those being funded right now. So one is uh, an example is like Black Rose Ballad is a Western movie um, that is a really phenomenal script. uh, But that's all it exists in is the completed script. Uh, And so uh, that's the minimum we require from anyone is to have a completed script and uh, be able to produce and direct it have the capabilities to do that and skill and talent to do that um so that's sort of uh that's sort of uh how that how that how that functions and works but like black rose ballad is a really great western movie um about uh redemption and, and and vengeance and all that sort of stuff so it's really great so you um, mean you that's didn't, you didn't
0: edit out all the guns then huh?
1: No, no, it's a violent western. So it's, it's a violent western. That's how it was advertised and pitched to us. And so uh the the other the other shows we have is like uh we have uh two by two, which is a show for preschool kids, uh that's done by the yellow wiggle. Um uh, uh he was part of the wiggles and um. So we have that show, and then we then those are all done, and people are just funding those individual episodes. Gotcha. And then we have our most po- our most popular show right now is Barely Biblical, which is animated teddy bears reenacting the most violent Old Testament Bible stories.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so so all the blood is stuffing, and you know so all that sort of stuff. That's our most popular show. It's done by a guy who animates Mickey Mouse for Disney, actually. Nice. Um. So really, really talent talented guy and he's like i just want my my boys to be able to understand the most violent parts of the bible um and so this is a way to do it without it being too uh mature for eight-year-olds for sure uh but also in a way that adults and teenagers absolutely love um so it's just a really brilliant idea nobody would accept it nobody wanted it and we were like this is the best idea we've ever heard <laughs> and we were right it yeah. is one of the best shows you just uh, recently so, had somebody so,
0: go 100% i think gothics right, i just went to to streaming and uh, that yeah. was that was recently and i was watching that and it's like is this thing gonna turn like i'm not sure so i mean i, I loved it obviously but i was like i'm confused why is this on this format and uh, so it was really well done when you when you start to look at the, the back end of it because I was just immersed into, uh, uh, the front end of the story so it was, it was really well done I enjoyed that for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a that's an interesting story because you have a lot of adult language in that documentary, um, and it was one of the reasons obviously a Christian film company wouldn't have picked it up a traditional Christian film company wouldn't have picked it up, and the director said. I want it's a documentary, and I want it to be true yeah. about who she was. And then, as you continue down the documentary, as she starts coming into conservatism and eventually embraces truth and uh, Christianity, you start to see the amount of cussing she does gets less and less and yeah, less, imagine and that. pretty much non-existent. Yeah. Um, and so, it's like really subtle way of showing character development that just isn't possible when we. You know, free, you know when when we freak out when the Christian movies do it, but then we go and watch the Marvel movies, you know, like right. and have no problem. Yeah, for
2: um, sure.
1: And and so, so uh, yeah, and, and you know, and it was a documentary and it was real and like this is exactly who she was and what she and wanted to show her exactly what she became and the difference and um, how um, her language evolved over time uh, subtly is kind of like a really brilliant editing, I think on the director Graham Wilson on on his part I uh, thought to so do that too. yeah so. I
0: thought that was a cool train I mean it was a cool ride for sure
1: Yeah so so but yeah but that, that's that's a movie that's too edgy for Christian spaces but also way too Christian for you know typical conservative political spaces or our Hollywood right so Yeah um, so it's like exactly that middle that we're going after
0: What about the young uh young writers and young producers who are Christians. um, How do they, or what would be your advice to them, uh, aside from reach out to you guys? (laughs) What's your advice to them on, uh, you know, like you said, creating a a new landing space for a void that's created between traditional Christian entertainment and Hollywood? Mm -hmm. What's your advice to writers and producers and and well kiddos who are like, you know, in the hallways at liberty right now, what would you say to them? Uh,
1: I, I I would say I I would say that uh, some of the most talented artists that we're seeing right now are homeschool kids who have just been making movies um since they were little kids. Um we talked to uh a group that started making Uh, it was uh, two homeschool families that were next door neighbors and they started making YouTube videos and they had several million subscribers by the time they graduated high school. Um, And now they're like, okay, we want to do real movies, but we don't want to work for Hollywood. Um, So what do we do? Um, And I think in like, you know, like I think that's amazing is like they, they basically spent their time as a young child uh, and they were told uh, by their family, uh, you, you can make movies as long as you finish your homeschool work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and all right? of a sudden so they would just like yeah. all, they, w- they would all rush to do their homeschool work before noon, um, every day. And then they spend the whole rest of the day, just making movies for 10 years Yeah, in their backyard. So by the, by the time they were 18, they were experts. They didn't have to go to film school. Film school would have been such a waste of time for yeah. them. Uh, and they were already figuring out ways as teenagers to make money, right? So but my, my, my first advice is always, <clears throat> um, if you want to get into filmmaking, is just start making stuff. Just start telling stories. Upload it to YouTube uh, and just start putting your stuff out there and sharing it and telling people about it um, and just keep getting better and better and yeah. better. Should they keep um, the comments on
0: or off when they first start?
1: oh you got to keep them on no doubt you You gotta gotta know
0: what people are thinking
1: you gotta keep them on yeah that's the whole that's the whole point and you need to you know make a video and watch it in front of people like watch it
0: they be here we go
1: yeah And, and and so like that's how you get better is when you you know when when you realize, oh, that's not funny. It's cringe and everybody you're watching with it is cringing. (laughs) That's how, that's how you, you can, you can, you can get better. Um, And you can't do that without watching it in front of the presence of people. Um, And, and, uh, you know, YouTube still doesn't really necessarily give you that um, the same vibe, but, but still, yeah, you just have to keep making content. have to keep telling stories. If you, if you, if God created you to be a storyteller, that's the only thing you can do. So you just got to
0: run from it or embrace it. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so, so, uh, yeah. And, and so, um, enter the Christian film festivals, enter the, um, uh, you know, the secular film festivals, make content and, you know, upload it if you can to Tubi, um, and see if you can get a following for your movie on Tubi and a bunch of other stuff. So, uh,
0: yeah. So anyway. It's like it's similar to the advice I, I hear for for people who are who play music for a living and they're writers. They write content and songs. I I heard um I heard Chris Stapleton say, uh, you're either a writer or you're not a writer. Uh, cause like you said, God made you be that or you're not that. And people will hold right. different opinions on that. But if you are and God did make you to do that, then you just have to sharpen that pencil, man. Sure. You just have to keep writing. You have to keep writing songs, keep writing songs. You have to keep writing content for movies. And so that's one of those things where I think we're in, uh, I don't think, I know we're in this instant gratification world where people are doing things for likes like crazy and uh, all your early stuff may not blow up in likes. You have, uh, I wouldn't say bad content, but you have early content that uh, that you have to you have to get better. I mean, some of the best athletes that we look at in the world, they practice their craft every day. Uh, there's a reason that uh, Steph Curry doesn't really miss open shots. It's because of the 400 right. trillion open shots he took when no one was looking. And same right. thing same that's thing right. for an artist, same thing for someone who's, uh, who's uh, you know, writing scripts and, and those things. So I tell everybody to keep going, you know, write it, write it, write it. And most people who are in that world feel like it's an obligation anyway. It's not like you have a choice. If that's who you're born to be, you have to do it it has to you have to write it and uh but yeah it, it's good to hear that um there's something that can fill the void of of what we're looking at and so talk about when you um well let's do this talk about when you flip the switch because we met in franklin uh through marty and steve and cade and and we were talk we all met at the same place because you i think you guys were out doing a an event and we we got to go and meet but at that time uh lure was invite only uh so you had to have a you know an okay to be on the platform talk about flipping the switch on day 1 what that felt like
1: oh what? man it was like it was I never thought that day would come we we spent close to 3 years doing it so we started in 2020 and we launched uh June of 23 so pretty much three years um and uh yeah just getting that point felt uh miraculous i would say um and and great and it felt like our we could finally start the business (laughs) yeah and uh and uh but we realized uh pretty quickly that there's still a lot more stuff we need to do to really be able to uh, get this thing going But what we saw was That we had a very strong group of people Who really care about it Who really see the long term We're up to 700 paid subscribers now um, And uh, we're starting to really Connect with people That see the vision of what we're doing And, 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 and get us the capital That we need to really expand What we've built Yeah. Um, so it's been, the first year has been Sort of like a test it's like we've been building something for three years. Um, and people still think we're crazy and they still <laughs> think it doesn't work. But now we have the data to back up that we were right all along. Yeah. Um that's you cool. know, in October in October of last year, the average subscriber who purchased or funded a project spent hundred and sixty dollars in addition to their monthly subscription. Yeah. So it's an insane it's an insane number. I don't know how to articulate the insanity of that number and how amazing that is um it shows that there are people out there who will spend the same amount of money as five monthly subscribers which is crazy if you think
0: about it because we're like as a culture we're just trying to get something for free trying to make it cheap right like how do i, how do I get your password so i don't have to pay my <laughs> netflix subscription right.
1: Uh, right that's netflix netflix canceled password sharing yeah right um, they're adding advertising as a way to bring in more revenue. revenue. Yeah. Uh, and then, because they can't monetize the whales, they can't upsell a customer. Uh, they have to increase the prices on 200 million people all at once. Yeah, and I, I imagine,
0: like, and I can, I can say it would be true for me. If you're looking at a project on Lure and it's 99.8% funded. And you just might want to dip in and get that thing over the top, especially if you want to see it. So, I think there's there's going to be some of yeah. that too. You get really close to it, and you're like, "All right, man, I'm I'm going to put this thing over the top."
1: Well, our, da- our data shows that once a project hits like eighty to ninety percent, everybody starts buying loot and funding it immediately. Yeah, and that's a hundred percent of the time. So, hundred cool, percent of the yeah. time, when a project reaches eighty to ninety percent, people start buying tons of loot, and our sales go up. Um, so the goal and what we know for certain is just we just have to build out a marketing and customer acquisition plan uh, that can get us enough subscribers that we can be funding projects week by week. Yeah. And we know exactly how many subscribers we need to get to that point. We know exactly the budget, and all, we have all that. Um, and really, it's just a matter of how much capital can we raise to grow now.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and so that's sort of, you know, that's sort of the long game. Everybody, everybody wants the Hollywood blockbuster movie, right? Like we just want the Hollywood blockbuster movie, Uh, but it doesn't happen that way. It doesn't happen overnight. And you're for sure not going to create an artistic culture with one blockbuster movie, right? Like, uh, you know, I could, we could look at like the sound of freedom or we could look at chosen. Those movies did really well, but they're already for the most part. Oh, I mean, chosen's a series, but those projects have done really well, but for the most part, they're already pretty much forgotten um outside of their loyal fan base. Right. Yeah. Um, but they haven't really brought in new audiences right. Like you don't see uh people dressed up as the main character they don't you don't see people dressed up as Tim Ballard at Comic Con. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> you
2: don't
1: like you don't see that uh 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 and uh and and I hope you don't see it with uh you know, the I don't want people dressing up like Jesus at Comic Con. Yeah, that's kind of weird,
0: <laughs> especially the so, interpretations yeah. may be a little wide.
1: Yeah, but I would, I would love to see uh, people at Comic Con uh, dressed up as. Um, you know, decapitated teddy bears from Barely Biblical. It'd be amazing. That'd <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> be it'd awesome. That'd be phenomenal. Um, yeah. so, 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 but, but, so, those are the sort of things that giving your artists more freedom allows for that sort of expansion of the arts and culture, and so, and that just takes years and years of just, you know, you know, if if, if you if you have capital right now, um, I mean, your older generation, uh, you you have capital, you have to be thinking not in terms of what you like to see, but like what are your great-grandchildren going to benefit from? What can you build and invest in now? Are your great-grandchildren going to have stories that motivate them towards righteousness, Christianity, and conservatism? Or are they going to have uh, stories that motivate them to abandon everything you built? (laughs) Yeah, yeah for <laughs> right? sure um, and, and and so like that's like the the, the thing we're ch- we're trying to convince uh because you know the older people they don't know what twitch is or super chats on youtube or live streaming like they're not familiar with that but the right. gen z like
0: that's a part of life it's called the yeah. patron,
1: it's the patron economy right they spend their money supporting individual artists that's just what they do yeah like, that's how that's how they fund things that's why you know kids go to the grocery store and they ask their mom for a Fortnite gift card so they can buy a costume made by their favorite youtuber like that, like all yeah, that sort of for stuff sure.
0: Um, for sure for sure i, I got to figure question. out how to uh I, I i don't know my my son is uh t- start start talking about uh you know in christian circles my uh <laughs> my son is a like a Fortnite little dude he started when he was 3 years old and we thought it was funny cuz my daughter was playing it and He's three his hands aren't aren't big enough for the controller so he has to use like the the palm of his hand to control the stick and to get his fingers to the top of the controllers and we're like well this isn't going to go anywhere and like three (laughs) days later the controller is the right way up and he's like dropping from the party bus and like going and shooting people and we're like uh oh we're letting a (laughs) three-year-old jump from a party bus and go shoot people we are the (laughs) worst parents ever but what I said, you know, my the nature of my job is I look through a camera a lot, too, and I operate on the inside of people's joints. And I told my wife, I was like, do you understand his triangulation right now? <laughs> He's going to be so skilled at uh, an arthroscopy scope if that's what he wants to do, because he can take this controller <laughs> and jump out. of." And she was like. I think that's a lame excuse that you just made up. Like, I don't think that's a real thing. And, uh, it's, so it's now he—it's
1: actually he... not, I, I actually talked to a Christian video game designer about this. And he said that, uh, his, his, uh, his, the best thing he ever said to me, cause I was asking, him, was like, why, if, if I was a Christian homeschooling mom, why would, why should I let my child play video games? And he said, video games save people's lives. And he referenced the hospital, uh, VR, uh, oh, yeah. eventually, obviously, mm-hmm. they'll do complete VR surgeries, but, but uh, basically exactly what you said uh, with the robotic stuff. But also uh, uh, military and flight simulators are all video games,
0: yeah. um,
1: and they allow people to practice war. You want your sons to train for war. Without putting themselves in danger. No doubt. Right? I can tell you unequivocally.
0: Um, so, like I grew up as a video video game guy, and so I, a lot in uh, high school and in college. I was I'm a little bit old, so I didn't do it when I was three years old. But I would have if it was available. And uh, I can tell you without question that arthroscopy, which is you know putting a camera inside of somebody's joint, came easier for me when I was training. Because I was loose, used to looking at a screen and having a controller and controlling it, like it was, it literally. Um, I, I think there is even science behind it that that proves it, but I don't care about the science. I can tell you with certainty that it helped me.
1: I I, I can tell you from I I, know, I talked to a guy who helped make um, Microsoft Flight Simulator X, newest flight simulator, and he said that uh, Boeing uses flight simulator. Because and he they give a copy of bo they give a copy of flight simulator to all their pilots their their training pilots because they found that when they give them a copy of flight simulator they spend less time in the simulators before passing yeah Uh, it was it used to be uh, like a thousand hours that they would require in the simulator which is expensive because it's an actual full-blown moving sure. simulator but they, they found out that when they gave a microsoft flight simulator that they were only spending maybe uh five hours before being able to pass wow um, that's crazy so it saved them hundreds, this video game has saved them hundreds of thousands of dollars and also <laughs> risking actual billion dollar equipment yeah man um, just crashed so, the flight so, simulator nobody cares yeah so so the, so so those those are all the things that uh that video games help help do, but also um i think we we look at video games as a waste of time you're like oh that our kid is just playing video games as a waste of time well esports is a massive business like i like you know you can get a like college ninja,
0: scholarship for that now,
1: yeah, i mean like people like ninja and x q c who just stream, they just got hundred million dollar deals, yeah. Right to stream exclusively on certain platforms, right? And then so there's that uh, way, and then there's of course coding and development and creating games, and um, uh, you know, video games create more money than Hollywood now in terms of uh, the amount of profit that it generates is more than Hollywood. Um, uh, Last in 2022, um, the video game market was 100 billion dollars. And out of that hundred billion dollars, eighty-four billion of that was just like digital microtransactions, Which
0: like buying
1: ex- buying extra lives on Candy Crush, right, yeah. or buying Fortnite costumes, yeah. or uh, yeah. right. So, like all those sort of things, uh, eighty-four billion dollars on just fake merchandise. So you can sit there and say, I don't understand why you know people would just buy loot and fund a movie. And it's like, but well, that's already what they're doing.
0: doing. It. Yeah, it's already happening. That's what they're yeah. doing.
1: Yeah. $84 billion is insane. Only $12 billion was spent in 2022 on actual video game purchases. Yeah. And everything else was free to, free to play spend. You know, yeah. every time you spend 99 cents to get extra life on Candy Crush. What That's happened? To, what
0: happened to Pitfall when you just you know turned the game over on Atari and it was over? You couldn't buy anything else. <laughs> I would have given, I would have given some money to buy another level on Pitfall on Atari two thousand six hundred.
1: <laughs> That's for sure. You know the the first I'm reading actually uh, a a book on uh, video some video game designers that made a uh, uh, some some I forget, uh, some video game, but they uh, they. Uh, were, they started successfully because they would send out basically a floppy disc every month to paid subscribers with free game on it. And then if you wanted to buy extra levels, you would sp- spend another, you know, 10 or 15 bucks and get the extra levels of those games. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that's where shareware came about and that sort of stuff. And, uh, you know, those were, uh, they, they've created billion dollar, brands and IPS from that sort of thing back in the 70s and 80s plus
0: just imagine um, that data man they're the first ones to get their hands on who buys this stuff and uh, so the yeah. price the price of that is priceless when you talk about marketing
1: yeah yeah it's just just been a it's just it's, it's tremendous to watch and it's it's tremendous to see just how we've neglected so much of culture uh, for for no really good reason <laughs> yeah. right unless it's a uh, you know
0: i don't know I, I was thinking about that a lot too like i want to be a light to people that i uh interact with and you want to kind of be above reproach about what we're doing we're talking about kingdom clinics and health coin and all the stuff that we're doing for uh really to get a platform uh of behind the scenes helping people who need help but also like if we're given a platform at all it's just kind of point people back to Jesus but then i was thinking through that it's like you know sometimes you don't want to you don't want to be in that um i'm not talking about being canceled like that if you're doing it right you're going to get canceled <laughs> like that's one thing for sure but i'm talking about like how do you it, you know move along that platform without turning people off like you said that maybe that small percentage of christian women in the church who don't like um you know, guns or cussing. And so I think there's a, we talked about, you know, being given a platform when God gives you a platform and he's called you to do something. And I talked to Marty about that too, because he'll say a lot of times, you know, God called me to do this and God called me to do that. And I said, hold on a second, explain to people that don't understand what that is. Are you telling me that God called your cell phone and asked you to do that? Like, how does God speak to you? And that's something I ask a lot of people too, is like, how do you know, and you kind of alluded to it a little bit. If if you're sitting in Texas outside chilling, and you're wondering why there's no uh, ability to fundraise and and put the Netflix together, but then the things that happened required divine intervention. I think that's what you're saying that for things yeah. that for things to fall in order and like they did required you to be on that kind of roller coaster that God put you on and i think most people can understand that christian or not christian uh so when we started talking about you know what you're calling or you know you be you or you know whatever whatever the stuff comes out to be ultimately god designed us um and uh and gave us uh the abilities uh that we have it gave us uh the resources that we run into sometimes Um, but what would you say, um, if you're thinking back and you're thinking, okay, God has called me to do this and I'm going to get on a boat and go away and end up in the belly of a big fish. Um, how do you, what would you say to people who are running from that? Like they feel like they got a calling from God to do something big, like, but it's scary. Like you're going to go out with lower TV and, and you're going to make a big, big jump even though you could kind of see like you felt like God was putting the pieces together. um, What would you say to somebody who's sitting right there right now, trying to make a decision, whether they keep their corporate job or they become an entrepreneur, even though they think God's calling them to be doing something different?
1: Well, so two things first is I, I, people come up to us all the time and uh, they say, God gave me the story of a script, right? It's a script and, you know, God, God gave me this story. And, you know, and uh, Jason always responds to that and says, but did he give you the skill too?
0: <laughs>
1: right. So, so. <laughs> is he
0: the gangster of the group? Of, you know, he cuts the knees out for people. Well,
1: <laughs> well, it's absolutely true. Cause if you read in like Exodus 35, uh, when they're building the temple, they're acquiring all the artists of the temple and it says, whoever is skilled, uh, is is the, the word skill is used over and over and over and over, and over again in Exodus 35. So it wasn't just anybody that could come and be an artist to build a temple. It's a skilled artisan yeah. and that sort of thing. Um, so God, you know, and the Bible says, you see a man who is skilled in his work, he will stand before kings. Um, so the question is, can you do it? Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean do you know everything, right? Or do you know how to do everything? Uh, that this job is going to require because the truth is, you know, we still don't know what we're doing with Laura. <laughs> yeah. And I mean that in a good way. Right. Uh, that's why we've been so successful. Um, but we for sure have a team that is skilled and can do it. Um, and and I I really believe that to this day and uh, it's going to stretch you um, and, and that sort of thing. But, and then, so the second thing I'd say is like, let's say, uh, you know, you have the skills to do it. You have the vision for it. Uh, but you have this corporate job. I will tell you that there, the, the the Bible talks about uh, cowardice. You know, cowards is the are one of the first ones to go to hell in Revelation. Right after, right before, actually they're mentioned before homosexuals in Revelation. Right. So so like those like like cowards go to hell, and then you have the parable and the Bible where it says, um, you know, the, the parable of the talents, where the guy buried the talents, uh, you know, the coins in the sands uh, because he was fearful of losing the money, right? And Jesus rebuked him and said, uh, I, you know, he, 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 you know, Jesus called him out for sin, uh, said he'll be punished for his sin, and uh, said that he could have made more money with putting the talents in the bank <laughs> yeah. than with giving it to him. Um, and then the ones who risked the the money uh they got rewarded, so you know in the venture world, we like to talk about risk aversion right but 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 i don't I don't like that i I think you know when you're investing or you're doing something or you're asking for investment uh for something, what you're asking is for someone to come along and carry your burden um uh that it's two people carrying each other's burden if you give me the capital i'm gonna do the work right and if i give you the capital i would hope you would do the work right uh, so the, gotcha, like yeah. that's how you're carrying each other's burdens with capital and venture if you think about venture and capital and so like that. so so w- when when you have people who say well i only invest in the least riskiest stuff uh, you right? like i only invest in the sure things Or I only want to do the sure thing. What you're saying is you don't really want to carry anybody's burden. Um, And so, you know, I think scripture is pretty clear on this. And I think with conservatives, we get the name conservative for a reason because we're conservative. We're fiscally conservative. We're financially conservative. But when we look back on the past 50 years and we look at Silicon Valley and and all the technology companies, all the video game companies, all the Hollywood studios, conservatives own none of it. Um, Because I don't think we were – we were risky We risk takers enough to be the ones to invest in those things and to sort of see that as the future. And, um, and I think that's, we're kind of reaping what we're sowing now by being risk averse
2: yeah.
1: early on. And, and, and then of course there's, of course there's wisdom and, you know, not making foolish investments. I'm not talking about that. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm talking about people who only invest in things once they know it's going to it's going to bring hit. them a return yeah. yeah i gotcha yeah and, and that, uh, that, and that, that takes
0: a venture out of the venture capitalist right uh portion of it but not really i mean there's always uh you start looking at some of the stuff i've been in rooms also pitching people for for things that um uh, will make a difference uh for people we're we started talking about building surgery centers in places where the hospital has a uh monopoly and the prices because of that go out the roof and everybody's like, yeah, it's great. It's great. It sounds awesome. You're going to do great stuff. And then they're like, how much money do I get back? I'm like, did you hear what I said? Like we're keeping people out of, <laughs> you're keeping people from bankruptcy and from ruining their lives because they break their ankle. Like what, what more payment do you want? I'm not sure. Like, uh, and they're like, well, no, no. Yeah.
1: Well, there's, a, yeah there's, there's other ways to look at that. Right. Like if, if, if you're creating a hospital um, and it's keeping people healthy. Uh, what you're doing is you're keeping your workforce alive, right? So your your capital means nothing if there's not a workforce. So the longer we keep people alive, the more uh, employees we have that can help our businesses, Longer down the road for longer amounts of time, and well, the more we take care. I of I wish it, I could take credit
0: life. for keeping people alive, but I just keep people walking. Yeah, I'm not a. I'm a carpenter. <laughs> hey, I'm not. A, <laughs> that's
1: not important a, for people. So a lot of people have they jobs they can walk to work. That's to right. Walk. Yeah, for right. sure. Right. So uh, yeah, just generally speaking. Uh, but but that's why you know I, that's why I'm you know I'm a big into you know Christian health sharing. I've I, I've called lore. Uh, or that, or the health share of streaming and yeah. movies. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but uh, yeah, I'm but I'm that, big yeah, into that's... it too. But we think that
0: we we're also man, I don't I don't want to go down a rabbit hole, but I will anyway because we're chatting. But there's um, I love Christian health shares as a as a general rule. It's essentially for people that don't know a Christian health share is you pay a certain amount uh, similar to that you would think of as like paying an insurance premium. And it goes into a, a pool of money. And then medical costs are shared among its members. And uh, there's some, most of those uh, companies are nonprofits and they uh, are Christian based. Uh, and it makes a lot of sense because, you know, you, you put a certain amount of money in and you, you actually get a great return if you need help. And if there's a, a period of time where you don't need help, then your funds are helping someone else. Uh, one of the things that's happened over time is is that becomes more of a uh, known thing because of the affordability of it. Because if you go onto the marketplace and go to healthcare.gov and try to buy a plan, then you do, and you do not qualify for like you know a government discount or whatever it is to buy down the plan. They're pretty expensive depending on where you live. And so uh, we looked at the Nashville versus Charlotte, and we've been looking at a lot of places. It just it's just pretty expensive to go onto the marketplace and buy like a, a blue cross blue shield plan that still gives you a large deductible and you still have to spend a bunch of money before you actually have insurance premiums. So the medical sharing uh is is came about because of necessity and it's a great, great deal. One of the things that happens is though it is is it's just for Christians. And uh, you know, you're gonna get to a point where there's gonna be um people who can't afford the other option but are not Christians and can't be on the you know Christian health share platform. So it created a void as well, and that void still exists, and we're yeah. working to try to close it uh, where, where maybe the requirement here, – here's my heart about it is maybe you don't have to be a Christian to go onto a certain uh, platform, but when you see the way we do business and how we care about people and love on people, then maybe for the first time you'll say, what are these Christian people doing? Like, what what's that about? Like, why why am I getting right. treated so well by these Christians? And and then our hope is that somebody asks questions, and you know we can give a testimony just like before. But so I love. I'm I'm really into the health share stuff too. I mean, I'm really really deep into the idea of in medicine of like how are we in the United States right now and have our current healthcare system? It is. I mean, I know the answer. Uh, and you can follow money and find out where that's at. Um, but at the same rate, it's like it's almost inexcusable that someone sprains their ankle or tears their ACL and it bankrupts them.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, You know, I think, um, you know, you, you talk, talk about like health share. Uh, you, even if you if you were to invest in the health share program, uh, right, you might not get a financial return on that immediately or through that company in generally. Uh, but I think the, the, the more we invest in health share and build those sort of companies out, whether it's for Christians or non-Christians or, you know, uh, private, privately run hospitals. Yeah. Uh, the more that we get that out, the more that that's going to be the future. Um, uh, and that you'll get a return on other sort of things as well. Um, through that, um, A financial return. So, uh, like a great example, there's a documentary called, um, oh, what is the name of it? It's called General Magic. It's the name of the documentary. I think it's on Amazon Prime. Uh, But, but, but it's uh, basically when Steve Jobs was kicked out of Apple, a bunch of developers left Apple, and this was probably in the early '90s, uh, late '80s, early '90s bunch of developers left Apple and they started this company called General Magic. They said, we have General Electric and we have a uh, General uh, <laughs> Telephone. And so this is General Magic. It's going to be a tech company. And their goal was, we're going to create a smartphone. This is in the 80s and 90s. <laughs>
2: um,
1: and they created uh, this thing. Uh, they signed this huge deal with AT&T to basically build out Cellular towers that you could have some sort of internet on. This was before. This is before the internet. Um, they were creating the smartphone sort of thing, and uh, uh, it just. And, and then they started to deal with Philips or Panasonic, like so all these hardware companies. Massive. I think they raised like two hundred and fifty million dollars at the time, which was that's a lot, a lot of money. Um, uh, I, 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 you know, for a company, tech company at the time. Yeah. And anyway. The the product comes out, like, just at at the point where, like, the Internet's starting to take on, like, 96, 97, right? And people will look at it and go, why do I need a
2: smartphone?
1: <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, I don't need a smartphone. Um, and so that company folded, and everybody, AT&T, Panasonic, all these companies, they lost t- millions of dollars on this company. Yeah. But the but the question they posed at the end is, did they really? Because at because Steve Jobs came comfort, up, man,
0: he's coming after, up
1: after after the yeah after after Steve Jobs came back to Apple, he hired the lead engineer there to start working on the iPod, which became, yeah. he designed the iPhone. Um, and so, if you know, and also Apple had a 5 year exclusive with AT&T for that iPhone uh, when it first came out. I know I was stuck um, in so, that thing. So, so AT&T benefited even though the company they invested in collapsed and they yeah. lost a lot of money. And now all, now everybody's benefited from the whole because the other guy that was working at the company went on to start Android phones.
0: There you go. There you <laughs> right? go. You're right. So, so it looked like so, a failure if you'd look at it isolated. <laughs> But in uh, the big picture, yeah. that investment and all that money paid back—you know, many, many folds. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, trillions of dollars into the into the economy as a result of that one company uh, failing because they were too early. But they were able to start at the right time, back up again in, in different ways, and they were, had all that knowledge and stuff that they acquired to build out. I mean, you can, we can't imagine a world without smartphones now. What they do you can't think? Do business without smartphones now.
0: What do you think about Steve Jobs
1: oh i think I think he was a genius I really do I think he was uh, uh like there's very few people I think you probably only get one of those per generation you know um which is someone who is uh an artist but also an an engineer like those two things together are very hard to get
2: yeah um
1: and i think i think um uh i I think Elon is probably the closest we have uh, to that now. I, I don't know if I would, I wouldn't consider Elon much of an artist. Yeah. I would say uh, he
0: was definitely not an artist, but he's, he's really heavy on the engineer side of things. That's for sure.
1: But he's a visionary.
0: Yeah, he is. So,
1: so that's really, in what some ways that is an visionary. artist. Yeah. yeah. It's probably more visionary and engineering than in artisan artist and engineering. Uh, uh, but, but so visionary and engineering, those two things together, usually you don't get. Because yeah. usually you get the engineers who are only focused on the real data that is right before them. Yeah. Um and so to get so to get an engineer that says, Yeah, but we're also focused on the art uh or the future, right? Usually you get the futurists uh who uh don't have any real world application at all, right? So 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 those two things is like a one once in a generation individual. Steve yeah. Jobs is one. Walt Disney. Yeah. Steve Jobs uh uh you know and those names Elon Musk but like those names uh stay with us and uh uh and so so that's sort of the thing um uh that that we, we need Christians to take that space.
0: Man, imagine that.
1: I said are that I said that
0: like uh a long time ago, just in passing to my wife, I was like, imagine if Steve Jobs is a Christian. Um, <laughs> what in the world would happen if um, the glorious things that I love that he designed and built, or his, you know, Apple designed and built uh, under his guidance? Uh, my goodness, uh, what a powerful situation that we would have.
1: Yeah. And, uh, I, one of our one of one of our advisors is actually working he's uh he he was an early uh he was an early um he was part of the early PayPal team worked with Elon and Peter Thiel and all that and he's one of our advisors on our board and he is actively working and investing in space companies so that he can have a say yeah.
2: uh,
1: in planning the fir- the first church on Mars.
0: <laughs> That's
1: his let's his go looking at <laughs> he's like, he's like, there's going like to be. Elon's a going. Online. I'm coming. I'm I wanna, gonna try to beat him there. I want Yeah, he's like, I want to make sure it has good theology. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> so uh, talk, talk
0: about yeah, a forward so, thinker. Like that's that's the guy you want on your advisory board. You just got to make sure that you have somebody who's an accountant too that puts him in line. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean,
1: you know, also, you know, he, he knows Elon. He knows Elon's not crazy. And when he says yeah. there's going to be a colony on Mars, you know, he looks back at, you know, the colonies in America and go, okay, well, if there's going to be a colony on Mars, there has to be a church there, too. That's
0: right. Jesus um, is coming so to Mars, how can I, boys. How,
1: yeah, how can, I, how can I get, you know, my capital involved in a way that I can make those decisions? Exactly yeah. like the Virginia company did when they sailed from England to... Uh, America, you know, uh, people don't like to hear it, but you know, the Christians were the ones that invested in tobacco that saved <laughs> that saved the colonists and yeah. and whatnot in Re- early Virginia. And John Rolfe, John Smith, was the entrepreneur who smuggled he smuggled I'm reading his book right now. He smuggled tobacco seeds um, uh, from the Spanish because it was a death penalty for anyone but the Spanish <laughs> to have tobacco seeds. Uh, they're Catholics and so he's like but the Protestants must have tobacco so he <laughs> smuggled them on smuggled them on a ship. They shipwrecked in Bermuda for ten months and they rebuilt a ship and still went to Virginia and he eventually became the first wealthy entrepreneur in in, in the colonies um and was a devout Christian and uh, and and brought the gospel to Pocahontas and married Pocahontas later on in his life, right? Yeah. And stopped the war. Um, through that, so it's an amazing, amazing story of masculinity and and stuff, stuff that Hollywood Hollywood gives us the Pocahontas, Pocahontas side. We don't get the, the the you know, the the other side. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just yeah. so just like the, all these amazing uh, stories of men who risk their lives to build things, and you know, and like our, Dude, our you don't know, you think, COVID, uh, don't you think, think like outside during COVID, and and this guy was like risking his life to be on a boat and he was in a hurricane for four days and crashed yeah. in Bermuda for 10 days, And you know, we're like, Oh no, COVID, we better stay inside. Right, and- yeah. or- <laughs> Don't you think,
0: uh, get, can you think of an example of someone who is, um, who's not a Christian uh, who's willing to risk their life over something that get, doesn't give it a, a return to their direct family? I'm thinking Uh, about, like, so where do do you think the power of that comes from for somebody that says, you know what, not just risk your life, like there's a high probability this is not going to go well for me type deal. Um, Don't you think it takes um, some wiring? Either you have mental illness, which is a possibility, I guess, (laughs) or you have uh, a situation where you know that, that, no pun intended, you're a pilgrim here on earth, and uh, regardless of the outcome, uh then it's needed to happen. Can I can't think and I I mean I'm probably not even as uh I'm not an authority on that information, but I'm saying think for me what what gives you the courage to uh to do that, to say I'm risking my life uh for this endeavor knowing that there's a good chance this isn't gonna turn out well
1: for me. Yeah. Well well, I think if you look through history, the Christians were the ones that did it the best. Um, so uh, it's, I think it's people, I think the worldview that allows them to do that is someone who looks outside of themselves and believes in something greater than themselves that gives them the ability to do that. If you were asking me like today, like who's doing that today? Who's risking their lives today? I would say it would be uh, the astronauts that work with Elon Musk, right? To okay, test yeah, yeah, yeah. For uh, those sure. sort of things, right? Um, it'll be the guys who first go to Mars. Those will be it. Those guys. Um, but I, but I think like also on a more practical level, I think like what we're seeing is that sort of risk taking, like that, that sort of risk your life risk taking. I think we see that with AI right now uh and And not because I believe that I don't believe that a i is going to end the world um I think it's gonna be a great gift and a blessing to the entire world uh but the people who are developing a i right now think it's a possibility that somehow they can create a god <laughs> yeah <and they> get, <laughs> right yeah that they keep um, doubling down so, on this, yeah, so in their mind, they're risking their lives for the technology because right. they think that's the future, that's where man needs to go. But I don't think we're risking our lives. I don't. I don't think. Uh, I don't think we can. It, wh- whatever you create with AI, it's going to be in the image of an image bearer, and it's not going to be an image of God. So, um, it's automatically going to be a downgrade, and it won't yeah. have a soul. And you know, sure. so 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 I, I don't believe there's any more danger uh, to uh, AI uh, than there is uh, uh, nuclear energy. Right. So 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 uh so I think I so I I mean they're both dangerous, uh, but when used well, uh they could they can bless bless the world. And I, I think um AI's role is mainly going to be um to create a way somebody told me this I thought it was really brilliant. They said the purpose of AI is to make it so a family can live completely sustainably off-grid without having to do any physical labor.
0: Okay, so break break that down. Family lives off the grid sustainably, meaning you're not going to starve to death. Uh, You have resources mm -hmm. without physical labor. That's
1: right. So all of your your gardening, all of your electricity generation, all of your uh, necessities to live life is not going to be through physical labor and hard work and so we go through scripture you talk about you know when noah gets off the ark god says no more will i curse the ground because of the work of man right no more will i curse the ground so i think like ever since then you've seen a progression of uh labor and hard work become easier and easier we're getting really into Futurism here, but
0: <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, I, right. I'm, so, I'm there. So, I'll fly the rocket ship with you.
1: Okay. All right. So um, so there was a reversing of that curse at the Ark, and we took advantage of it, and we built Babel. And and we did that uh, not to the glory of God. We built Babel not to the glory of God. So God destroyed it and separated our languages so it was much more harder to communicate, much more harder to build things, Right. But then we get to Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, and what happens? There's a reversal of the curse of Babel. Everybody speaks in their own language and hears in their own language, right? So there's all this uh, actual language. I'm not talking about the, the charismatic angel, angel right. language stuff. I'm talking about the actual nations in Acts 2 and their languages that's referenced there. The, the the curse of the Tower of Babel and the splitting of languages has been reversed. And ever since Acts 2, we've seen an increase in the speed and um, advancement of communication and technology like the world has never seen before. But, but there was 4,000 years between Babel and Pentecost where people wrote on papyrus and that was the only way to communicate. Right. Paper wasn't even invented until after, after Jesus came. Um, So Uh, So there was no advancement in communication for that 4,000 years, and then suddenly, bam, you know, somebody told me that um, there has never been in the history of the world since or or after, there's never been an advancement in communication as drastic as the day before the telegraph. Because the day before the telegraph, the speed of communication was as fast as your horse could go. Yeah. And then the day the telegraph got invented it went to the speed of light and you can instantaneously communicate across the world. And Samuel Morris was a Christian. He lost his wife and the letter that his wife died arrived to him while he was out of town on business. And and it said, don't worry about getting back in time. She'll be dead uh, before you're dead and buried before you arrive. So don't worry about making the funeral. And he was so haunted by how slow communication was um, that he invented the telegraph. So, so so there's all these advancements of Christians pioneering communications throughout history, and I think um, we're gonna we're gonna there's gonna be Christians that get involved in AI. It might be later, unfortunately, than it is now. We sh- we should already have owned it, personally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, but I think the same. But I think the same is true for um, um, you know biohacking. Christians getting involved in biohacking and and and, and figuring out ways uh, that are safe. Uh, to do medical advancements in their garages without the FDA <laughs> making science and research so expensive. I'm a really big supporter and proponent of that. Um, and I think if Christians get involved in that, you know, that's exactly how you got, you know, the original smallpox vaccine was a Christian guy. And he said, no money for this. It's going to save people's lives. How can I charge <laughs> for that? Right. Um, and, so, and so, you know, there's just there's all these all these different testimonies and of 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 Christians throughout history. And when I talk about, I know there's people that are anti-vax and, and I am for the most part, uh, but the smallpox vaccine, I heard a Christian speak on it. It was completely different in how it was made and, created oh, yeah. and what's made. Yeah. today. Uh, just a truly a work and miraculous work of the Lord uh, through him. But, but, um, but yeah, so, uh, so, so, I, yeah. So I think like, as history goes forward, I think things are going to get uh, way better technologically and i think christians are going to be at the front of that uh for a very very long time um and uh, i'm excited to see where that goes
0: yeah me too man so how many books do you read in a year do you think um i don't read but i listen to audio well, books. yeah audio books uh, so.
1: <laughs> that counts
0: how uh, are you talking about i don't i don't, I don't
1: listen to I don't listen to as much as I used to, uh, because I don't drive as much living in a small town. Yeah. You like can get any within three minutes in our town, <laughs> uh, but every now and then when I have to go to out of town to go shopping or something, uh, I'll get a good solid hour and a half each yeah. way and back. Yeah. But, but, uh, the, the main thing I read is I'm, I read a lot of business biographies. I, uh, uh, Jim Henson's biography comes to mind as one of my favorites. Uh, uh, I'm reading, uh, uh, uh wh- wh- I, I, man, I've read so many, I can't even think, I can't even <laughs> pull them out. Like the, the, the history of like, I love Lucy, a lot of these television shows, the history of Nickelodeon's, uh, the history of Saturday night live, like all these major cultural brands. I want my MTV is a, is a really amazing book about, um, how MTV changed an entire generation um, and they interview people that were there at the time and just like the punk rock creative atmosphere of MTV um, and all these cable networks all these cable channels, all these cultural brands and identities that we have now that are worth billions of dollars. They started off as like really low budget experimental, almost public access cable channels. Right. Like ESPN was like only in Connecticut doing Connecticut local sports. (laughs) Right. Like people don't, don't realize that, but they all start these super like they weren't, you can't write a check for a blockbuster. Right. Right. Like you can't get Marvel movies without a hundred years of comic books and uh you know marvel going to the Supreme court to defend the freedom to be able to make comic books you know like, like this is like all this sort of stuff like and and like and, and that that pattern is repeated over and over and over again, and so it's interesting to see that um and then when it comes to conservative um inter- inter- entertainment and media, we think well we need to roll hundreds of millions of dollars in investment capital to be able to get uh, what we need. And it's just, I don't think it's true. I don't, I think it's a lie.
0: Yeah. It, well, well, I mean, I think that we'll find that out. <laughs> what's next. Uh, I, what's will. next for lore? Uh, what's on the horizon? Like what can people uh, know and, and be anticipating? Is it a lot more of the same and, and just making sure that you get some funding and being able to go out and, uh, and continue to expand. Is there anything that, uh, that you think is in the future for, for the, the main thing we're
1: looking, the main thing we're working for, looking for right now is we're just sort of we're in the middle of an investment round, uh, so we're raising capital. That's our primary focus, um, and with that capital, we're we're building out the streaming apps, like you think Roku or Samsung TV streaming apps. We're building that out, and we're building out marketing, uh, yeah. a marketing department, customer acquisition, so we can grow our subscriber base, and then we're going to uh, we're going to uh, start churning out some content as well
2: Love
1: Love uh with it. that with the next round. So yeah, if you're an accredited investor and you, you want to be a part in a cultural media revolution, you should uh give us a call.
0: Yeah. Oh, man, I'm so so happy that you came on and I mean, I was really really excited to uh to meet with you guys did, did in we Franklin. Spell
1: more? We we should spell it. It's L O O R. Yeah, I did it dot- did it
0: straight off the straight off the bat. I knew that was going to be an issue. L O O R. Dot TV. Yeah, that's a good place. To yeah, check there it out. we go. Make what what it is it that out. about? What yeah. does that mean? What does lore mean?
1: It it's actually it's actually I didn't even know this when I started it, but lore is the Spanish word for praise. There you go. But it comes but it comes from I got it from uh the name uh Laurel, uh where if you go to like the Sundance Film mm-hmm. Awards or the Toronto Film Festival or whatever they give you basically laurels, uh, as the award, uh, you know, official selection of Sundance film festival. And it's got that Ivy sort of thing. And that, that word Laurel, uh, means to give an award, um, or to pray or to praise. Right. So that's where it says, you know, don't rest on your laurels. Right. So it all comes from that term lore. Um, and it's basically, um, way back they would give laurels to the best storyteller of the city. Right. So the storyteller that won the storytelling competition for that year would win the laurels and uh, they would be known as the story of the city for the year. Um, And that's uh, where you get, you know, the laurels for film festival awards now. Um, But 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 we got it because. Yeah, we 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 took the name lore, just the the prefix and and because we thought um, our our consumers we're giving awards to our filmmakers for yeah, the best like story in the
0: form of it's real the best, the best award you can have right funding
1: yeah all right uh, that's right yeah and so
0: but yeah so yeah and i'm so grateful that you came on it's great to connect again we're gonna we're gonna stay in touch for sure and uh and as you're moving forward we're i'm on the i'm a consumer for sure i'm a fan for sure uh i'm a big advocate we're trying to push anybody who can uh wants to invest, uh, your way and let them know that it's worthwhile. And I just think that, uh, like you said, if you, if you keep doing what you're doing and, you know, God's hands in it and there's a calling to do this and there's a void that needs to be filled, then I don't see any, any reason that it's not, a that it's not Lord TV that that fills that void. And when you start looking at, uh, 45 year old Christian males, like you were talking about before, and they're trying to look for somewhere to spend their entertainment sign, then. Uh hopefully it's going to become synonymous of uh uh Lore T V and then they can win their reward.
1: Awesome, man. <laughs> That's great talking to you, Jason.
0: Yeah, man, we'll talk soon. Take care. Thanks for coming on again.